everybody and welcome to the Heart Podcast. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Professor Chris Gale and Dr. Chris Wilkinson from the University of Leeds. They've recently published an original research paper in Heart which is called Sex Differences in Quality Indicator Attainment for Myocardial Infarction, a Nationwide Cohort Study. And Chris Wilkinson is the first author Professor Chris Gale is the senior author, and this research was funded by the British Heart Foundation and the Wellcome Trust. And it's a really fascinating piece of observational cohort research. And we get deep into the causes and the differences in the treatment and also outcomes of myocardial infarction among men and women. And I really hope you enjoy the podcast. The paper is free. There's a link in the show notes. You can go and read it. And I'll also put a link to an editorial, a thought piece, really, which was published by the British Heart Foundation on this subject. So please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, like, share it, tell your friends about it. The audience is growing really nicely, uh, but it's always good to reach new listeners. I hope you enjoy it. Perhaps we can just talk initially about what's already known about gender imbalances and heart attack outcomes. I've certainly seen some research in this area before. Yes, there's, there's quite a, a lot of research in this area. What, what we do know is that women now account for more new cases of cardiovascular disease than men. Our relatively recent analysis of the um, European Society of uh, Cardiology Atlas data found that in 2015, the incidence of cardiovascular disease among women was estimated to be over 5 million across the 47 ESC member countries that were studied. We, we, also, we also know that in the UK, about 70,000 women are hospitalised each year for a heart attack. And uh, equally, about 25 or more thousand women die from heart attack each year in the UK. So that's about three every hour. In that, just in the UK, wow. Okay, and um, does that put heart disease higher than any other cause of death for women in the UK? Well, we we do know that coronary artery disease kills more than twice as many women as breast cancer in the UK. So it's a huge burden. And I've read before in other papers by your group and others that uh, we know already that the outcome after myocardial infarction is not as good in women as in men. Uh, is that the case uh, in 2018? Well, we would only be extrapolating to those data. Uh, the the study that we looked at at the moment had data up until 2013, but there'd be no reason why uh, one couldn't speculate that. Again, from the literature, we know that there are inequalities in outcomes for men compared with women, and that's been studied in a number of countries. Our earlier research looking at the sweetheart data found exactly that. Although we used a slightly different approach analytically, we used a thing called relative survival, which is a little bit more like a cardiovascular specific cause of death. But again, we found that there was an excess mortality uh, higher in women than compared with men. And so what was the basis for doing the study that we're talking about today, Chris? Well, what we did is uh, we used MINAP, which is the UK Heart Attack Registry. Uh, which includes all heart attacks uh, in England and Wales, in all hospitals in England and Wales. And it's actually the largest single healthcare system heart attack registry in the world. Um, and we use that to investigate differences in care provision and mortality between men and women 
because of the reasons that have already been discussed that we know that uh, that women are at a relative disadvantage compared to men. We include 691,290 women over the 10-year course of the study um, and investigated quality of care using indicators that were devised in collaboration with the European Society of Cardiology uh, and they dovetail uh, the guideline recommendations. Those quality indicators have been externally validated in MINAP in the UK and also in FAST AMI in France um, and it's been shown um, by our group and others that attainment uh, of these is associated with improved um, survival at 30 days and at three years. And can you just, for our international uh, audience, uh, Chris, just describe exactly what MINAP is? It's, a, it's an audit project, isn't it? That's right. So it's, it's a registry, um, completion of which is mandated by the Department of Health. So it has quite good uh, completion rates. Um, it includes data across over 120 fields um, covering the whole course of a patient's care pathway. Um, you know, from the minute that the ambulance is called to uh, right the way through to cardiac rehabilitation at the end of their um, care pathway. So it would give you very good information about, uh, as you say, provision of angiography and provision of secondary prevention therapies, length of stay, mortality, all that kind of thing. Absolutely. So it gives really high resolution insights. But additionally, it includes information on when a treatment was considered contraindicated or the patient wasn't eligible or refused. So we're able to exclude all of those patients and get really useful data from it. And so just to summarise, 691,000 episodes of acute MI care and over 233 hospitals in, is it just England and Wales? That's right, yeah. Yeah, and that was over a 10-year period. Yeah. And what would you say uh, were the most important findings that you uh, that you that came to light as a result of the study? Well, the, the the top line findings were that women less frequently received guideline recommended care and treatments for their heart attack. Um, what's more, we we found that women compared with men had significantly higher mortality rates in the thirty days following their heart attack. I think the comparison numbers were five point two percent versus 2.3 percent um, which is a which is a twofold relative risk I- increase when we did some other calculations um, we found that potentially over 8,000 women in England and Wales could have survived their heart attack had they simply received the same quality of treatment as men um, and, the, and the quality again was assessed uh, um, according to these ESC quality indicators the attainment of them i will put a link to the paper uh, in the show notes uh, chris for the podcast and it's an open access paper but which areas in particular uh, were the variances between the care uh, given to males and females where were the biggest discrepancies well um so there were 16 quality indicators that we could measure uh, and, and uh, across all of those, apart from three, which were what I call system-wide measures, where the, the attainment was 100%, across the 13 remainder uh, quality indicators, women fared worse uh, than men. I mean, the, the most striking difference was in provision of coronary angiography for patients with non-ST elevation myocardial infarction within 72 hours. Uh, there was an absolute difference of 12.5% between men and women in, in provision of that care uh, that quality indicator. Um, but as Chris mentioned, there's a difference in a number of indicators across the whole course of care, right the way through from timely reperfusion 
assessment of left ventricular function um, and secondary prevention medication as well. Um, and, and these were quite large differences, weren't they? We're not talking uh, insignificant numbers. That's right. And the differences you know, could well be cumulative across the course of care. I mean, there could have been legitimate reasons why care wasn't provided. And, and I would highlight that there were systematic differences between men and women. For example, women were 9.6 years older on average than men. And so we went on and did um, some propensity scoring to kind of match those key characteristics and found that provision of guideline indicated care explains some but not all of the variation in mortality between men and women. OK, so you did correct for those differing presentations, differing baseline factors to some extent, but still found the same result? Uh, yeah, the, the guideline indicator care explains some some of the difference, but not all of it. And there is you know, some residual um, difference between men and women uh, that wasn't explained by guideline indicated care that could be more underlying biological differences. And given that the study was done in England and Wales, uh, gentlemen, how applicable do you think uh, the results are to other areas of the world? Well, this is a great question. Um, if we step back from this and look at this from a global perspective, we know that the UK is a high performing uh, healthcare uh, um, uh, um, uh, country. So uh, by that prerequisite, uh, you could argue that these discrepancies could be wider or greater in other countries. Similarly, our earlier research, which compared um, the performance and outcomes of patients with heart attack in the UK with that in Sweden, found that whilst we're doing very well in the UK, we're not doing anywhere nearly as good as in Sweden. And our, and our mortality rates, our early mortality rates after a heart attack are certainly higher, but also um, the spread of mortality in terms of the range uh, uh, of death rates per hospital is much wider in the UK than in uh, and in Sweden. Our earlier research using uh, other research using uh, the Sweetheart data also found this elevated risk in Sweden uh, of women after a heart attack and uh, the reduced provision of guideline indicated care. So it does happen in other countries uh, and it's likely to be a, a systemic problem. Um, whether I can ask uh, concretely whether this is greater or lesser in certain countries uh, outside of U uh, the UK, I don't know. And do we know why it happens? Uh, is, there, is, it, is it a sexist bias, an unconscious bias on behalf of healthcare providers? I mean, that seems, seems unlikely across the whole country and across well, England and Wales. I mean, have you got any inkling as to, to what's underlying this, uh, this vast difference? I think it's difficult to say from these observational data. Um, it's probably an accumulation of things. The, the, the fact that women uh, were a bit older, as I say, had a greater comorbidity burden, might mean that some of the discrepancy can be explained by appropriate care decisions and uh, you know appropriate tailoring of, of treatment. But as I say, when we look at the grace risk-adjusted mortality, there are definite differences, and it does indicate that um, there is the potential to improve outcomes for women by greater attention to guideline indicated care. Mm. I suppose that the, the underlying assumption there is that the presentation of women compared with men at the time of hospitalisation is exactly the same. And we know that that's not the case. Uh, we know from earlier research, international research, that women tend to present slightly later 
uh, and clearly that will have implications for treatment and outcomes. Uh, we also know um, that the plaque burden and the pathophysiology of the plaque in the coronary arteries of women is slightly different from that of men. Um, we also know that minica, so myocardial infarction with non-obstructive coronary arteries, uh, is more frequent in women than in men. And even though we can follow diagnostic algorithms to define the potential cause of the minica, um, at the moment, the exact treatment options uh, for these types of heart attacks are yet undefined. And we know there's ongoing research and trials in this area. Um, again, other research shows that the cardiovascular risk factors, which we know uh, a range of them, the cardiovascular risk factors in women tend to have a more penetrant effect in, in women than, than in men. Um, and then there's the argument that whilst we know of the traditional uh, uh, signs and symptoms of a heart attack, and these are the most frequent ones, so the central chest pain, um, th there is a suggestion that women um, can present slightly more atypically with uh, alternative symptoms. And this sometimes can cloud the decision process and the diagnostic process. Mm, it's a, certainly a very fascinating area. And as you say, your headline number there of over 8,000 potentially preventable deaths certainly grabs the attention. Um, what are the next steps, uh, gentlemen, in this area? And uh, what are you doing to or what, what can we do to try and improve things? Well, I think the first thing is to recognise that there are these inequalities in care provision and that that has a knock-on impact on mortality. And generally speaking, I suppose the, the important public health messages uh, such as risk factor modification, um, recognising that um, women can present slightly differently, as Chris has mentioned, and the importance of seeking help early and trying to dispel the popular conception of, of heart attacks really being a disease for middle-aged men um, from movies and things that, that just isn't true. Um, I think other things in terms of the research that we've shown is that, that there's definitely potential to improve um, care provision as measured by these quality indicators across the board, but particularly so for women. And then moving forward into, uh, into improving things across, across the board, then including more women in um, cardiovascular research uh, is obviously important uh, because there probably are underlying differences in, in biology um, and women aren't as well represented as men in the research. In clinical trials, I see. Okay. Yeah. Is there any uh, final message you'd like to uh, tell us about in terms of this research? Well, uh, I think there's a few underlying messages here. One is the extremely valuable uh, national data sets that we have that can be used for not only audit service evaluation, but for research. Um, and this is just one example of how we can use this, these high resolution data to find opportunities and potential solutions as to how we can reduce uh, the burden of cardiovascular disease and pre prevent premature death from cardiovascular disease. So uh, this is just a small example of what can be done. Brilliant. Well, it's been fascinating to talk to you both. And as I say, I'll put a link to the paper in the show notes for the podcast. I'll also put a link to a nice piece that was written by the British Heart Foundation uh, accompanying this uh, paper and encourage everybody to go and read it. Thanks very much indeed for your time. Thank you.